For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Heard Tell. I heard tell show gorilla style because I'm on an appointment, but I really wanted to talk to our friend over in the UK. And because of the time difference, this is how it works out. We roll with it. We adapt and overcome. Another one of our great young voices contributors, uh, Bill Balkett uh, from over in the UK. He's got a long list of publishing credits. He's also a media commentator over yonder. Uh, Bill, thank you so much for the time today, my friend. Appreciate it. No, thanks for having me. Okay, so uh, we've been doing some voting over here. About a week ago, we covered the Irish elections up north, y'all. You had some local elections uh, over there. And although these aren't covered the way like a prime minister election would or something like this, this is a really big deal. And it is a precursor for some of the stuff that's been going on over in the UK lately, isn't it? Yeah, it was a big test for both political parties, actually. It was a test for the Conservative Party to see you know, what effect that uh, Boris Johnson's administration has had on public opinion over the last years since the uh, local elections we had in 2021, uh, which the Conservatives kind of got bounced from because of Keir Starmer's leadership and actually uh, the positive reception that the majority of the British public felt that the Tories had done uh, during the coronavirus pandemic. But this was very different because at the moment, Britain's embroiled in a cost of living crisis. Uh, the Tories have also been in involved in numerous scandals. Uh, there's the Partygate scandal, having illicit parties, you know, during lockdown when they weren't supposed to having to, there's sleaze around second jobs. There's also another scandal called Pest Minister, which has uh, been uh, coming back from the ashes around bullying and sexual assault. So that in itself was a test to see whether, you know, Boris Johnson's premiership has had a negative opinion public uh, perception and a voting paper, but also as a test for Keir Starmer to see whether he's solidified the centre ground in in British politics, whether he's uh, improved since you know the years of Jeremy Corbyn and the disaster that was the 2019 general election. Um, and on the whole, it was a mixed picture, but it was definitely uh, a worse you know set of results for the Conservative Party. You know, who lost over 500 councillors. It was their worst result. Uh, actually, since Tony Blair was the leader of the Labour Party. Uh, and while Labour Party also did well um, in, you know, improving in areas like London and the South, uh, they weren't able to make the gains that they were hoping for in their former traditional uh, seats in the Midlands and in the north of England, or the Red Wall, as we call it. Uh, and, and of course, there's a lot of scope for interpretation within Wales, Scotland, and also Northern Ireland, but I'm sure uh, we'll get 
uh, into those lists later on. Yeah, we will. Let's start with Keir Starmer because we're going to talk about Boris Johnson a lot here. This is kind of now he's getting elections under his uh, leadership of the Labor Party, just not being Jeremy Corbyn. He got a bounce from that. But now this is his party and his leadership. What is the initial reaction now that we've actually done some voting under Keir Starmer, Starmer is? And it's only fair to point out the lead going into this. You mentioned it, the Partygate stuff with Boris Johnson. Kerr got himself in a little bit of trouble himself. How do we parse all that out? And where does Keir Starmer and his leadership stand today as opposed to about a week ago? That's the thing with the uh, results, because actually there was a lot of positivity to take with uh, Britain's biggest opposition party, uh, where, as I say, maybe they weren't able to regain, you know, as, as many councils or, 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 or take as many councillors from other political parties um, in, in the Midlands North, but they were able to make some kind of modest ground. And, and like I said, in British politics, we've got a, quite a strong uh, realignment happening where we're seeing the Tories doing uh, better in outer suburbs in, 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 in you know, the countryside, whereas Labour do better in university towns, uh, London areas where there are mayors as well. Um, but that was short-lived because Keir Starmer was embroiled uh, in his own uh, scandal around breaking lockdown rules, as, as we call it in the press, beer gates, uh, where he, uh, during actually during the last elections, there, there was uh, alongside uh, the, uh, you know, the contest for local mayors and also the councils, um, as well as Scottish and Welsh parliaments, there was there was also a by-election for a parliamentary seat in Hartlepool. Uh, you know, key red wall seat. It's one that Labour held since the 1970s, since its formation, and then was taken by the Tories. And they were in Mary Foy's office. She's a Labour MP. They were in her constituency office in uh, in Durham, uh, a city in the north of England, uh, and uh, over 15. Labour staffers, including Sakia Starmer, as also deputy leader uh, Angela Rayner, uh, had a curry uh, and a beer when they weren't supposed to, when they weren't supposed to, because at the time um, social mixing was uh, banned indoors. Uh, it was only for a maximum of six people or two two households. And uh, on the day in which the local election results came out early in the Friday morning, um, Durham Constabulary, the, the the police force over there. Uh, announced their own criminal investigation uh, into Sakir Summers actors as to whether they broke down lockdown rules. And as we know from Boris Johnson's own uh, party probe, he was fined. He was given a fixed penalty notice for doing so, as have a, as have a hundred other uh, members of the government, whether they're civil servants or ministers, we don't know. Um, but now there's a very good chance that Sakir Starmer will be fine himself. And he's made a promise that um, that if he were to receive a fine, just like Boris Johnson did, uh, then he will resign at Lab as Labour leader, which will actually force greater pressure on the prime minister to uh, resign if he's to follow suit and have some uh, integrity left within him. Yeah, Bill Bowkett joining us from the UK, another great Young Voices contributor and a great commentator in his own right over there. Make sure you're following him 
one of the things the speculation was that Boris Johnson has somewhat wrote out the trouble he has is because there's not a clear cut successor to him in the conservatives in the Tories. Uh, is the same true with Keir Starmer? If he holds to this and he steps down, is there a clear cut successor? Or could we be in a situation come the next general election where both parties are kind of scrambling for leadership at the same time? That's certainly the case, I think, uh, at least in the Tory party, there are several possible contenders to uh, step into number 10 Downing Street. You've got the Foreign Secretary, Liz Truss, who's been you know, center stage in negotiating um, a way out of the uh, uh, Northern Ireland Protocol. Um, she's also been terrible to making all these post-Brexit trade deals with countries like Australia uh, and New Zealand uh, and, and other countries. Whereas with the, the Labour Party, um, there's a bit more open scope for who to take over. I mean, but the problem there is, is that uh, even, you know, with American listeners, it's the same with British uh, listeners or, or British people is that there's not really any standout figures. Um, I actually looked recently in the most Yugo, uh, most recent Yugo polling into the most popular Labour figures. That's not just uh, MPs. It could also be um, uh, mayors like the, the mayor of London, to be calm, or former prime ministers like uh, Gordon Brown, Tony Blair. And I think it was only Yvette Cooper, who's the shadow uh, home secretary, that came out as, as the highest current, you know, sitting member of Labour's front bench, and she was seventh. Um, I mean, on top of my head, there's people like Wes Streeting, the Shadow Health Secretary, who's, you know, a very eloquent speaker, you know, very moderate. Lisa Nandy uh, is the Shadow Foreign Secretary, and she's very tough when it comes to the Ouija Muslims in, in China, uh, and also criticizing the government's uh, leveling up strategy um, to, to make Britain more equal, more fairer, more uh, financially prosperous. Um, but the problem there is, is that ask any normal member of the public, you know, to name, I don't know, 10 members of the Labour shadow cabinet, uh, you'd really struggle to probably list half, you know, list four or five. So um, there's definitely people who could take over at summer, but they would also have, you know, an extremely difficult job um, in not only, you know, resonating with the British public, um, but also, you know, creating a, uh, a vision which they see as, as, as uh, moving on from 12 years of Tory rule, um, especially since the Tory party are now moving further left uh, on economics since they've introduced all these tax rises around national insurance and VAT. It's, it's kind of got to raise the question is what the Labour Party actually offering uh, nowadays. That would certainly be the question that Sakir Starmer or indeed any future Labour leader will have to answer. It, how much of this is because British politics is like anywhere else. Like you've mentioned, the Tories have been in charge for quite a while. There's got to be just a fatigue factor with some of it just because they've been in power for so long. But like you said, you also have this dynamic of the post-Corbyn Labour Party kind of trying to figure out who they are. And then in these results, there's definitely something to be said. There's a bit of a rural and urban divide, as we would call it in the States, with some of these results. How much of this is, yeah, there's a fatigue, but the Labor Party is still going to have to come with some kind of a cohesive vision here if they're going to take the leadership? Yeah, uh, that's that's totally true. Um, for, for the last 
at least four years, uh, at least before the pandemic, the, the overarching issue was, uh, was Brexit uh, the, and Britain leaving the European Union had that referendum where the majority of the public uh, said that we'd be better off being outside the, the trading bloc, the intergovernmental organisation and the Labour Party uh, under Jeremy Corbyn's reign, you know, weren't standing for it during the 2019 general election. They actually had in their manifesto that they would have a, a second referendum uh, on the Brexit deal. So Labour would essentially go to go to the European Union in Belgium uh, you know, negotiate a deal and then have a referendum where they would campaign against it. Um, and that hurt a lot of voters, especially in their traditional heartlands in the north uh, and in the Midlands, who, you know, strongly voted uh, to leave the European Union compared to uh, London and the south of England. Um, uh, so that there's that regional issue, but that Brexit is becoming less prevalent. That it might be interconnected to things like you know, the cost of living, the price of food, uh, which has been skyrocketing, you know, inflected. the Bank of England projects that inflation is going to be at 10% uh, at the end of this year. Um, and because of the way in which the Tories have uh, mishandled the economy by, you know, throughout the pandemic and, and now post-pandemic, Labour actually leading the Tories when it comes to trust, uh, at least public polling when it comes to, you know, trust in handling and managing public finances. So on the economic side, you know, they do have a strength in there. And I could see come the next general election um, that they could just simply ask the question to voters, you know, in any, you know, uh, election video or during a debate, has your living standards improved under the Tories? And the vast majority of people would say no. Uh, and that in itself is a winning formula. It's just, could they incorporate that with a strong, you know, message for wider society, for, you know, promoting social liberalism, but also, um, you know, proving that they are more trustworthy parties than Tories who, like I mentioned, have been embroiled in issues around trust, uh, you know, sleaze and sexual assault um, and second jobs. Um, it's going to be, you know, tough ask. And also the Tories have an 80 seat majority uh, in the House of Commons and only once in history has a majority uh, been slashed, you know, that big. Um, so it, it's going to be a mighty trend for the for the Labour Party. Yeah. Talking to our friend Bill Balkett over in the UK. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into some of the policies. Every time they have an election, they do a Queen's speech that lays out the agenda. A couple interesting things in that agenda. We're going to talk about Northern Ireland, as he mentioned. Also, some comments from some ministers got some attention on this side of the pond. So we'll bring that up. Uh, Bill Balkiv, more with our friend in the UK right after this on Herzog. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. 
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell. We're talking to our friend Bill Bowkett over in the UK, talking about their recent local elections and the wider ranging implications there. Uh, let's start where we left off, though. In America, we have the, uh, the, the phrase when it comes to the elections, it's the economy, stupid. I don't know what the British version of that is, but with the cost of living at the forefront, with inflation as high as it is, now double digits in England projected to maybe even go a little higher before it tops off. I got to imagine it's the economy stupid is pretty much what's on a lot of people's minds over there right now. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, I think at the moment it's polling shows, I think it's the second biggest issue, at least by public opinion standards. But then, like I say, there's, there's other issues that are kind of tied into, uh, into the economy. Uh, the biggest being uh, the declining in living standards. Um, so, yeah, in the past, we've had other factors that kind of decide uh, people's voting behaviour. And during the Brexit referendum, people were more motivated by cultural factors like um, immigration, like the rule of law, than they were to um, to economic factors around, you know, uh, marginal decline or um, trading standards. If Britain were to leave, and the fact that we might become, you know, more isolated nation and the same was with the 2019 election the 2019 general election was uh primarily seen by many people as the brexit uh, election as to which party do they feel is going to deliver on the will of, of the the british electorates uh but now with debt as high as it is caused by the pandemic um there's also been some issues uh, around brexit uh, around trade um and supply issues um, and also, the, we can't forget the, the war in Ukraine, which is having uh, a massive impact on 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 trade and also on the price of fuel, and 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 also the rise of inflation uh, is meaning that the price of goods are going up. So food prices uh, and prices, you know, in supermarkets uh, uh, are hiking up as well. So is that infamous? Um, Bill Clinton quote goes, then yes, I think the economy is by far and away uh, the most prevalent issue um, that is motivating people, at least uh, on the doorstep. Now they're talking about the Tories, Bill Balkett joining us here on Hertel. They're talking a lot of policies here, but we're just kind of looking at it from the outside. You're there, you tell me, because of the COVID policies, because of the adjustments from Brexit, because of their tax policies that you already touched on, because of the NHS policies that they've been working on, fairly or unfairly, however you want to parse it out, they're kind of painted into the corner that they're going to have to fight out of. And I don't think they've got a lot that they can really do here, do they? They they have some legroom, I feel. Um, at least when it comes to the economy, they can... Boris Johnson should he should he be you know the Conservative Party leader 
come the next election, which is most likely to be either 2023 or, or even 2024, then they would say, uh, but we didn't have um, a war uh, and we didn't have a pandemic, you know, in our election manifesto um, in that case. Uh, and as we saw with the Queen's speech, um, there, there's a lot of red meat policies which are, you know, going to be put through uh, the Houses of Parliament over, over the next parliamentary year. We've got uh, a big bill uh, when it comes to um, regulating big tech. We have uh, a very big bill, the National anti Borders Bill, which is supposed to uh, hung on illegal immigration. Um, there's a uh, deal agreed with uh, the Rwandan government to send uh, it, asylum seekers uh, trying to enter the UK and send them to uh, the Central African country. Um, and many of these red meat policies are, are being proposed not only because they were in the Conservative 2019 manifesto and they have to deliver on them, otherwise um, they, they're going to lose, you know, a couple, you know, many votes. Um, but it's also being seen and interpreted, at least by um, some politicians, uh, as, as an appeasement from Boris Johnson over uh, distrust within his own Tory ranks over the way he's handled the economy, the, his um, behaviour during the Partygate scandal, um, and and whether he misled Parliament uh, in in the process as well. Um, so when it comes to that uh, next election, when it, when it does come around, this this is the pivotal question: is that the Tories have been in power for twelve years now, and and they've got to ask voters and really appeal to them because there are going to be some who are going to be apathetic uh, and many people aren't turning up to doorstep as much as they were that actually the turnout in the local elections was just over 30%, which is an incredibly low lumber. It's, it's half of what a, you normally see at a general election. So, so they really have to, the brand of Boris Johnson, uh, along with you know, the appeal of conservatism uh, modern British conservatism um, has to stick, otherwise they're at risk of uh, of succeeding, uh, uh, succeeding to to the Labour Party, which uh, to them would be um, would, would be a, a economic and a social disaster. Because of what transpired before uh, with Brexit, with the changing in power, with Boris Johnson's own rise to power, has it been a blessing or a curse that they've kind of everybody kind of admits like this general election is going to be out in the future? It's going to be at least another year in the future, probably. Is that a blessing or a curse to the Tory party that's trying to readjust on the fly here? Well, there was one report I saw from uh, Business Insider, actually, um, Kat Needland, uh, who uh, heard from several Tory sources that potentially the Tories are eyeing up election uh, this year. And the reason they're doing it this year is because they feel that the economy at this moment of time is not getting any better with um, the uh, MPS, as I mentioned, predicting that hike in inflation, uh, hike in interest rates uh, resultingly as well, that if the, if the state of the economy doesn't improve as, as they would hope, um, you know, come 12 months time, then, then what's the point of holding off for a general election? I mean, that there could be the benefit for, for Johnson in um, putting behind some of the more personal uh, Westminster bubble stories, as we like to call them, around sleaze and Partygate. Um, because as you're seeing with public uh, 
opinion, uh, I think in the most recent Servation poll, uh, it showed still that a majority uh, of the British people want Boris Johnson to resign and that majority see him as a dishonest uh, politician. So that in itself could be an advantage, but then that would give also Labour the chance to make more ground. We've got some really important by-elections uh, for parliamentary seats coming up. We've got the Wakefield by-election, which was caused after Imran Khan, a Tory MP, uh, was suspended uh, for, uh, uh, for sexual harassment. Uh, and then we've got another uh, in, in, in Tiverton and Honiton uh, by uh, Neil Parrish, an MP who was caught watching pornography in the House of Commons chamber. Um, and that in itself will be a test. I mean, local, local uh, elections actually, as we mentioned, uh, have more local factors involved in it. And the thing is, is that parties are able to concentrate all their resources into, uh, into these different uh, marginals and seats uh, to gain the best advantage. Um, but, it's a, it's a, but I think the most realistic solution as uh, date that we can see is probably gonna be 2023 wait till this Metropolitan Police Investigations Parcel Gate is concluded, wait until uh, the Labour, uh, Durham Police finish their conclusion, you know, hopefully the situation in Ukraine improves, um, wait and see if any of the measures implemented by the Tory, like the uh, energy rebate actually has uh, any impact on people's livelihoods uh, and see where to go from there. Yeah, it makes that Keir Starmer promise even more interesting if that should go down. Uh, Bill Bowker, join us real quick before we have to let you go. A lot of the threads that went through all of these issues, we talked about the economy, the leftover wake of Brexit, things like this, uh, border policy. Those are new spins on a very old problem has risen since the Queen's speech. Northern Ireland is getting messy and it's getting loud. Uh, just real quickly before we have to let you go. What's the, the results of that? How is that going to play? Because, again, an old problem, a little bit of new spin in it with Sinn Féin taking power in the Republic of Ireland. How's that going to play going forward? Yes, we can't forget uh, the other parts of the UK as well. Before we get into Northern Ireland and Wales, uh, Labour increased their share of the vote in Scotland. The Scottish National Party increased their share of the vote. So that in itself is going to raise further questions about the second independence referendum uh, over there. But the, the big story I feel throughout the entire general election, as you said, is what happened in Northern Ireland, uh, which is Sinn Féin uh, becoming the largest party in Northern Ireland. So actually the first time that a nationalist party uh, is the largest party in the province since Northern Ireland was created uh, over 101 years ago. And there are far-reaching consequences with this, not only because uh, the actually the biggest unionist party who have, remained, have been in power there for you know, many a decade, a Democratic Unionist Party are refusing to go into a power share agreement in Northern Ireland because, uh, unlike other democracies in the UK, where we have a majoritarian system, um, where you know parties with the most votes would then, um, you know, be able to rule, or if they lack a majority, they would have to be in coalition. Uh, in Northern Ireland, uh, the different factions, the Unionists and the Nationalist parties actually have to work together and they have to, the, to reach consensus. Um, but the Democratic Unionist Party don't want to do it because they see Sinn Féin as historically, you know, the political wing of the uh, IRA. Um, they see that they're going to break up the union. You hear Mary Lou Macdonald, the president of Sinn Féin, wanting 
a, a border poll, uh, you know, within the next five years. And then we've got this issue uh, around the protocol, um, which ultimately the Sinn Féin support, uh, but the DUP don't because it's causing uh, trade barriers uh, between uh, the UK, the, you know, the Great Britain, as we know, or, or mainland Britain and Northern Ireland. Um, and we heard today that Liz Truss um, wants to scrap elements of the protocol um, in order to reduce bureaucracy and that but also in turn respect the Good Friday Agreement, which is what has preserved peace in Northern Ireland over the last three decades. Um, it's going it, to, just because they've won the majority doesn't come, actually, if you combine the different votes from the other parties, then unionism is still the largest block, uh, at least among voters. Uh, but it's certainly going to put pressure um, on Boris Johnson. It's going to put pressure on the wider union. Uh, and it's going to raise further questions as to, uh, Northern Ireland would be better off uh, as part of the United Kingdom uh, or whether it would want to um, unite Ireland uh, for the first time, or, uh, you know, in over a century. Yeah, very interesting times. We're definitely going to have you back again to continue to cover this because uh, it's not going to get less interesting in UK politics. Our friend Bill Balkett over in the UK, my friend, until we get you back on Hertel again, let folks know where they can follow you. You have a lot of writing credits. Uh, you have a couple things that you have going. Also, your social media. Let folks know where they can follow you until we see you again, my friend. Sure. Uh, so if you want to read uh, any of the content that I and the team at Reaction do, a uh, commentary news website based in the UK, then uh, please do subscribe. It's www.reaction.life. Uh, and if you want to follow me on social media, um, then it's uh, at Bill underscore Balkis. And if you're an avid television uh, or radio listening in UK, then you'll probably see me uh, on either GB News or, or Talk TV. So I, I, I'll, I'll be around. But, uh, but uh, if you, uh, definitely, if you're interested in British politics, uh, then it's definitely worth paying, um, you know, 80 British pounds for a reaction subscription. Yeah, uh, I watched some of your clips. You do good work, my friend. And uh, hope to have you back soon to talk a little more UK politics. Appreciate your time today. Bill Balkett, thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much. Appreciate it.